How is your mental health? I mean, really, how are you doing? Week eight of lockdown here in the UK, and I know with it being really hot, temperatures and maybe tempers are fraying a little. So what I wanted to do this week, I should also say I'm James Erskine. I'm, I work at Rocket. I'm the presenter here. I'm talking to you from my bedroom, and now I'm the presenter of the Rocket Fuel podcast. It's also Mental Health Awareness Week, and I wanted to take you back to a time before COVID-19 and pandemic and lockdown. And I wanted to take you to an interview that we did with Kim Palmer, and she set up an app aimed at women called Clementine or Clementine. And the joy of Clementine or Clementine is it's based around hypnotherapy, a community of women and mental well-being. And even though we recorded this, remember the days when we worked in offices, in our old office, it's actually very timely. We talk about Kim's story, her background, what took her to developing this app. We also spoke about the development of the app and the business journey. And then we asked Kim Palmer of Clementine for her rocket fuel. I'm Kim Palmer, obviously. I'm a mum of two young boys. Um, One is almost six and the other one is still quite small. He's almost two. Um, I am not English. I'm a Kiwi. Some people aren't don't know that about me they can sometimes hear a bit of a twang but I've been here for almost 13 14 years now so it's um maybe you think it's strong I don't know um I am also the founder um and CEO I've made myself the CEO of my own business (laughs) uh called Clementine um and we can get into a little bit about that shortly of course Um, how many of you are there at Clementine at the moment Kim (laughs) so today as in today this friday mm. it's me myself and i okay however in two weeks time it won't be just me um there'll be two full-time people um and then i have uh three contractors working for me because i'm about to scale my business um through investment so yeah it's quite it's quite an exciting time well incredibly exciting time yeah um, Kim, why don't you bring to life for the listener? Because I know a bit. I've seen some of the places you've worked. Why don't you bring mm. to life the journey that you've been on professionally? Yeah. Um, and what you've taken from some of those roles? Well, that's super interesting. So I, I don't think I've had what some might call a traditional linear career journey. It's been more sort of squiggly. Hmm. Um, when I came to the UK, you know, 14 years ago, I started working at Lloyds Bank. Uh, back then it was Lloyd's TSB mm. and I did a number of different I worked my way up basically I you know I did a number of different roles but all in product um, and consumer marketing um, roles and that was like an amazing experience for me to um, to get my first job here in the UK and and to actually like deliver some meaningful change for quite a big you know audience of people mm. uh, which was awesome but um, at that time, the bank went through a massive change. Um, this is when the recession um, happened, and I was in new product development, so we weren't investing in new product development. And I thought, okay, well now it's time to change. This is p- probably quite true of my personality. I like to change things up, mm. uh, and so I decided to do a bit of a pivot, um, not in terms of skills, but in terms of category. 
So I ended up working at Tesco, <laughs> completely different to banking. Um, and I worked in their club card loyalty program. I was a senior um, loyalty manager there. And that was incredible experience. Um, I suppose that's where I really got down and dirty with learning about data and insight and how to strategically use that to build products and services and propositions and all that kind of stuff. So that's I, brilliant. I won't be the only body um, out of um, the listeners to this podcast to have seen that chart many years ago that basically said big data is like um, sex and teenagers. Everybody <laughs> says that they're doing it, but nobody fully understands whether they're doing it well or not well at all. Yeah. And the, and, and you've now learned to do it well, have you? Big yeah. data. And, um, well, yeah, sorry, go on. No, go on. I was just going to ask, are there, are there tricks? Are there tips? Oh, do you know what? I never, I'm never into all of these terminologies, big data, anything like that. I just, I'm, I suppose this is probably the Kiwi in me. I I tend to just think about the thing that's in front of me. So, mm. you know, and that is the data and what the data is trying to and like trying to listen and and learn um, uh, through lots of different data sets and draw uh, trends between all of those to what it's saying. This was back in the day where we weren't able to, uh, as well as we now can, um, pull data sets together. Um, so it was much more around, right, so we've got the club card data, then you have the transactional data, and then let's overlay some research data, qualitative, quantitative, and you had to basically do that yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, now there are machines that can do a lot of that for you, but so it, it's, um, I suppose, in a way, it's a bit of an art, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I'm a total, like, insight geek. Love it. That's impressive. Good. And then you use some of that skill set when you moved to Blinkbox after testing. Yeah, that was really interesting. That was a really, and again, uh, another, for me, a really um, uh, interesting job move. So they bought um, Blinkbox. So some people won't know who Blinkbox are, but mm. they were a digital entertainment proposition. Um, so you could buy online movies and rent movies and TV programs, a bit like um, Netflix. Mm. Um and I started there, it was a startup, I think I was employee number 30. Wow. So, you know, bearing in mind, I've only ever wor worked at massive organizations. So I went into this team, I was recruited by the founder, Adrian Letts, uh, one of the co-founders. And um, when I left, I think there were 350 employees. Wow. So you saw serious so, growth. Yeah, we saw massive amounts of growth. And, but I... Like so, the two things happened for me there that were quite um, were transformational to my life. Really, uh, one a good thing was that because it was a blank sheet of paper, it was basically like running a business. Like we had nothing, so we had to set everything up ourselves, and I loved that. It wouldn't be for everybody. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, you know, working in a startup is really hard, and uh, my mental health really suffered. And it wasn't just the working there. It had been a, a, a number of years coming where I basically just, I mean, back then no one talked about mental health. This was six years ago. It just wasn't something anyone spoke about. And you've really felt the difference in that six years, have you, just on mental oh, health? Oh, I, my gosh, yes. Really, in the last two years, it's ramped up a lot. But, yeah, definitely. I'd agree. And just sorry to to jump straight okay. down into it. I know it's it's something that... We'll, we'll come on to when we're talking about Clementine, but whilst we've we've jumped into it now, how how did that 
if you like, mental health moment. How did that manifest itself? Did you feel something twang? Was it something yeah. over time? D- talk to us no. about the journey. It, um, it's only now that I can look back and see that it was a, a process that happened over time. But when it happened to me, there was a moment. And it happened at work when I was pregnant with my first son. I basically um, became incredibly obsessed about work, even more so than I already was, um, because I felt that having a baby, that I needed to get a promotion before I had this baby. And so I worked crazy hours and didn't look after myself. Um, and that was off the back of a backdrop of not having looked after myself for a number of years. And anyway, to cut a very long story short, I had a meeting one day uh, where I was talking through a segmentation that I'd created, my team had created, sorry. And we had some agencies in there, my team. And I basically started having a panic attack um in this meeting and I mean I didn't know it was a panic attack I basically just started talking and then I got verbal diarrhea and I could see it was like I was having an outer body experience I could see everybody in the room looking at me as if something weird was happening but I couldn't stop myself and then I began I began to actually like panic like properly panic yeah and the meet and then my colleagues stopped the meeting basically and said Kim needs to come out she's pregnant we need to just you know help her Mm. and that moment was the beginning of an unraveling for me um, of going from that I then experienced social anxiety and had debilitating panic attacks all the time so my confidence my world went from being very big Mm. to being nothing yeah and and even today when I introduced myself, in fact, I should have said that at the beginning, I live with anxiety and panic attacks even now. Um, but what I have like learned is how to not let those define my life. In fact, they have created a new life for me. So they're not about coping mechanisms to stopping it happening. They're about, if you like, life mechanisms to to almost embrace it is that too clunky a turn of phrase or is that (laughs) no it's it's true I don't think you can cure these things I don't try well I what I've realized is that it's better to not try to think and frame a mind that is are these are curable it's just that I know what triggers them so I do try to live life you know in a way that you know is helpful but it's really hard so I don't try to beat myself up about it um and when they come they can quickly go as well whereas before they used to come and they'd stay and that would be the end you know for a a while and and now they come and go in a day sometimes so and just jumping back to your career post post blink box there were there was it's uh, a couple of agencies right um yeah i did a couple of agencies And but talk to us about the difference between agency work and client work, because I know oh my gosh. <laughs> we, we, we know from experience the audience listening um, are, are also between the two or certainly cover yeah. both sides. So um, talk to I us about be that. Be careful what I say. No, no, you're fine. Don't worry. I know everybody thinks clients have it easy and I know everybody thinks agencies have it easy. And it's not until you jump to the other side yeah. that you, you realize that no the idea. truth is somewhere in between. So, yeah. No, I... Um, so for me, actually, even though I know that being in an agency world was not, you know, my 
uh, it didn't sit as well with my values. Um, it was a great learning experience because you have to learn like to, I suppose, imagine more and create things again that no one really knows exists and dream more. And do you, do you understand what I mean? It's like all that sort of stuff. Because at the end of the day, like I used to work for some very high profile clients who would expect me to be able to just come up with stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and so I suppose in a way I felt like that was a more creative um, opportunity than being in a business where you are constantly having to think about trade or, you know, the logistics of things. I, I suppose as well, because I was a strategy director, I never had to worry about that. Mm. <laughs> so it was very... Um, I suppose, in a sense, quite a lot of, of freedom. Um, but with that, I also felt a lot of pressure um, because clients looked to you, you know, yeah. so much. Yeah. There's the, the expectation that you would always pull it out of the bag and that you, you could do those things all the time. And so I found that sometimes a little bit, a bit lonely, really. And question, Kim, have you ever had a mentor or have you ever mentored anybody? Yes. So this is partly why I've set up my business, really. I've been incredibly fortunate my whole entire career, every job that I've had to always have a mentor. Perhaps part of that is because I've searched for them, you know, I, and also I come from a family of really very strong women. So mm. I, I grew up in an environment of, you know, having them help me. Um and so, yeah, um, when I worked at TSB, I was an EA to um, one of the um, big retail directors there. So she was like five levels ahead of me. She was my mentor, Catherine McGrath. I talk about her a lot. She's actually a friend of mine now. Mm. And I see her as a life mentor. Okay. So she was helping me in my job at the time, but now she's become so much more than that. Um, I in my business now I have uh, I've called I've uh, created a group of women and men called the Clementine Collective and they've all become my mentors there's 10 of them um, I also mentor women so um, I'm mentoring two women at the moment or, or, like people ask me all the time to do it I feel like it's it's a funny thing I, I have a deep sense in me I can actually feel it in my in my gut that I have to pass on yeah. this knowledge and this learning to other women because, you know, it's, it's not easy to do it on your own. Okay. And <clears throat> final question in this section is um, the qualities that you look for in people that you work with. Is there a commonality of their behaviors? Do you look for different yeah. things in different people? How, oh how does that work? <laughs> Yeah, it's changed over time as I've got gotten older and obviously learned that I don't know it all. <laughs> and I now, I, I hate to use that word diversity, but I use it in a way that means diversity of thought. Okay. I really, really strongly believe that I um, having a number of different backgrounds. And again, I mean more like people who have had interesting experiences um I look this is a, a thing because I've had it I didn't have like I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my um mouth when I was younger mm. I actually came from a very a poor family um I look for people who have had some sort of struggle <laughs> mm. because I think it brings a real texture 
um, and empathy for thinking about people and everything that I do is about people really at the end of the day. Sure. Um, I look for, you know, like if I think about the Clementine Collective that I've got, I've got some older women, I've got some men, I've got younger women, I've got women who are um, in, uh, well, yeah, probably best not say that actually, you know, women who have all been through some very significant things in their lives. Okay. Um, I think, yeah. That desire to look people for people that have struggled in some ways is a fascinating mm. insight. That's, that's something I'm certainly going to take away with me. Before we kind of delve a bit deeper in section two into Clementine and into your work, yeah. can I just ask uh, probably the dumbest question you'll be asked today, <laughs> but I'm really keen to, be, to ask it. And that is, could you, for the benefit of our listeners, explain the importance of femtech? So I know it's a slightly clunky category that you that you find yourselves in but why is it so important that there is a standalone category if indeed you think there it is again like i'm not i said at the beginning i'm not one for like labels and all that kind of stuff if you forget about the terminology and what what we're talking about basically uh, most of the products that women have consumed for forever have most of them have been created by men um, that in itself isn't a problem. It's just that when we go to use these products, perhaps there hasn't been the um, understanding of how we would use them. And therefore, there might be another way of coming at the design. Um, and when I say design, I mean that in, in its broader sense, you know, the language, the, the way it looks, the way it feels, all that stuff, the way it works. Um, and that's what uh, femtech is about it's about women making products for women and generally in, a, in the technology space i mean i sat on a panel last night where there was a lady making um breast silicone breast implants for women who have had breast cancer yeah and then traditionally these have all you know these sorts of products have been made by men but but men don't know what it is like to have breasts mm. And so, therefore, the products that were being made, you know, can you imagine if you've lost a breath, like how that can strip you of your confidence and then having one that doesn't quite work for you? Yeah. Just as it doesn't work um, or you make it work and then you don't feel very good about yourself. So it's it's just simply, you know, making sure that we're designing products that we would use in the way that we would use them. And I think that's really important. I am still here with Kim Palmer, the founder of Clementine. Um, We've got to know Kim in the first section. The second section is to get to know Clementine and indeed Kim's broader work. First question, Kim, your opportunity to talk about Clementine. What is Clementine and what does Clementine do? Um, It's very simple. So Clementine is a hypnotherapy app. I'll get onto that part in a minute. Um, but we support women who are feeling really overwhelmed or stressed, um, women who um, find it a struggle to sleep and who are feeling probably a little bit low. And we help them uh, to feel calm and confident so that they can do, you know, the things that they actually want to do in life. And, and those could be very simple things like get out of bed mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, not shout at their husband. It's it's a tool to help women in their everyday lives. And why 
So hypnotherapy is at its core, if you like. Yeah. Um, first of all, how many users have you got, roughly? Well, in our total community, we have 80,000 women. Um, and we have 55,000 women have downloaded the app. Wow. And, okay. Yeah. And so what, hypnotherapy is at the heart of, if mm. you like, the solution to sleep, confidence, being yeah. calm. It, has hypnotherapy played an important part in your life as an individual? And have you seen it play a part in others? Yeah, it was the inspiration um, for Clementine came from my own personal journey and my own um, way through it. So I did some other therapy when I um, needed to, um, you know, try to get my panic attacks and anxiety in better check. And none of it worked. And hypnotherapy was the thing that made me feel calmer and confident so that I could go to a job interview, you know, so that I could get out of bed. Um, so that I could actually say my name when I'm at a baby group, you know, those sorts of like really simple things. Yeah. Um, and what I noticed is that when I came back to work, um, because my eyes had been open to this world that I kept hearing around me conversations around, oh, I'm not sleeping well and, you know, I'm feeling really stressed and, and all these things. But it wasn't until I opened up about my own insecurities and anxiety and all that stuff at work, then what I heard back from literally 99% of the women that I spoke to was that they felt the same right? Um, and that they needed help and that they'd been trying other apps like um, meditation apps, um, but that meditation wasn't working for them. And would you, would you say that Clementine works for everybody that tries it? Would you say that you have to be of a particular mindset? No. Or a, it, go on, it, it's, bring that to life for us. Who, who's no, it not at all. For? It's really interesting, actually, because I read every... We've got 600, almost 600 reviews on the App Store. I read and respond to every single one of them. And, um, you know, some of the people say, God, I was so um, sceptical. Yeah. I didn't think that I could. this could work for me. Um but it works and I love it. So, no, I think it is absolutely for everybody because the problems that, that we're all facing are problems that everyone faces. And even men, like we, 10% of our base um, are men. I was going to um, ask that question. <laughs> yeah, we all experience the same, the, the same problems. And even that is across um, what's been interesting for me, all age groups, you know, um, like my mum or someone who's just finished school and is in their first job someone who's coming back to work from maternity leave, you all have, we all have the same insecurities. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that's why it's so incredibly powerful and, um, and helpful, really. And in terms of the way that the app is structured, there, mm. are, there are different, if you like, exercises for different people yeah. and different mindsets. Talk yeah. to us about a user journey, if you like. Yeah, well, that's a good point you've just touched on is the user journey. It's been designed about around um, a woman's everyday life. So we took from the moment they woke up in the morning to the moment they go to sleep and then wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. And we designed these sessions around those moments where there was high, you know, stress levels. Yeah. So, for example, um, in the morning, we have a session for starting the day, right? So, I mean, we've all had those moments where you get up in the morning, obviously, you want your day to go well. And like for me, a derailing thing might be my kids just being real 
you know. Yep, annoying. and Miranda, father <laughs> of two really children. Annoying. I was going to use another word, but I won't. Do you know the and one then, thing I have, thank him, forgive me interrupting, is that parenting speak, um, and just a warning for uh, for producer and listeners, I am about to swear, but parenting speak, when parenting say willful, it means little and I've yeah. I've learned to look into the eyes of other parents and say, oh yeah, they can be quite willful, or such yeah, and such totally. was willful today. If you translate yeah. that, I, so I, I heard you nearly say the willful word, or even the end result. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, you know, and you're just like, oh, this day hasn't started how I wanted it to start. Mm. And then you just listen to the start of the day right session, five minutes, get you back on track. And then we have sessions for when you're at work. So we've heard from a lot of women that being at work is quite um, problematic and um, there's a lot of worry about fear of judgment, um, especially around meetings and things like that. So we have a session, it's called Confidence Boost. Again, five minutes, pop into the loo, listen to it before you go and do something where you're just a little bit on edge. Yeah. Um, or equally, I because I I built this when I was working at the agency, and I used to have a lot of like re- meetings where clients would like really be difficult, and so I go into the loo and I'd listen to a session to get me back on track, okay. um, and not ruin the whole day just because of one meeting, and then sleep is our most popular um, section, and because everybody seems to struggle with sleep. Um, so yeah, trying to help people get to sleep, but then that thing, you know, when your brain is so busy and you wake up in the middle of the night and you just can't stop, we have a session that's like a double hypnotherapy session to get you back into sleep. So it's really what I call a moment strategy. Yeah. Um, designed around those key points in someone's day. And just on the the sleep element, because you're another reason why I reached out to you to come on the podcast, Kim, was A, you're talking to a man that has in varying degrees over my life had really bad insomnia to various different mm. one one degree or another. Um, yeah. And the other thing is I've actually used hypnotherapy to overcome my oh. addiction to cigarettes. So I'm I'm mm. with you. I'm right with you on, <laughs> on the results and it working. And it's why I asked the question about whether it works for everyone. Just yeah. on sleep for a second, Kim, and, and we don't know each other, but you strike me as though insomnia has played a part in some of your journey as well. Yeah. Just bring to life for our listeners that either never have or perhaps are going through it right now, just how important sleep is to everything else from health, from weight, from work, from yeah. I, the the whole answer is within sleep in my view. It is. But go on. It really is. Sleep is everything. You just said the word sleep is everything. So it's easy to say that, but if you just like think to yourself for a minute, on those rare occasions where you wake up in the morning and you think, oh gosh, you know, I've had a really good night's sleep. Just like, isn't your day just so much better? You Mm. eat better. You want to exercise. Mm. You're not snappy at people. Um, You know, you're more relaxed in your demeanor. Your ideas flow more. You're more creative. You're more focused. You're more productive. Like it, if you think about us as holistic beings, um, it it literally impacts every single part of our life. So the opposite is true then, right? When you have, when you don't have enough sleep, yeah, you know, you wake up feeling really crappy about yourself. And what, how horrible is that then? Because the rest of your day becomes derailed because you're just not feeling quite your best. You know, you don't eat as well. Um, you're not quite present in that meeting. Um, you know, you, the ideas you are blocked all that stuff so 
I, even though we have um, sleep sessions, it's not just about that. Uh, it's about creating um, rituals around sleep. And it all starts before you even get into the bedroom and your mindset about sleep um, being in a positive mindset. Yeah. Um, it really helps. I've kind of seen, if you like, three pillars running through Clementine. One was sleep, one was confidence, and the final one yeah. was network. Let's yeah. let's look at confidence next. What is it about? Forgive me as a as a bloke. <laughs> what <laughs> what is it about women and being of the female gender that means confidence is? And I I realise I'm probably part of the problem, maybe part of the solution, I don't know. But that means that confidence can be broken so easily. And it, is it the society we're in? I mean, we're speaking, I suppose, what, three weeks since m mental health issues in the extreme with things like the suicide of Caroline Flat. With we're, yeah. we're talking in where, where there's a hashtag that's perennially across social media around be kind. Is that all linked in with confidence and it is. and is it a new phenomenon? No, I don't think it's a new phenomenon because I realise now that my that for a long time actually, even going back to I think it probably started when I was at school. I traced it back to there, that that's when I started to um realise that I didn't feel um confident. Is so there's a thing that goes on inside our heads, and we've researched this with women as well. Um, it's it's like a 50-50 thing. It's like part of you is going, I know I'm competent. Like I know that I'm so amazing at what I do. I know that. There's no question about it. And that's the rational side. Yeah. And then there's the flip side of that, which is the emotional side, which kind of chucks that all away. And that's the sort of imposter part going, oh, God, but I'm not sure, you know, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about what people are thinking about me. And and that plays into the part that you just talked about in terms of society. Mm. And we're in this constant feeling that we have to be the best all the time and striving for the best. And, you know, it's a bit, I, to be honest, I feel like it's an epidemic. Um, and I feel fortunate that I, in a way, I feel like, having a bit of a breakdown um, was a gift <laughs> because it helped me recalibrate and it helped me to see, like open my eyes to what was going on in the world and how I needed to go left of all of that. Um, but that takes incredible will, right? Yes. And a lot of conscious thought. You know, I think about this stuff every single day, every single hour because that's part of my business as well. But for most people, we're on autopilot. We're walking through lives, you know, just doing. We're consuming and we're doing, but what we're not doing is we're not thinking. And and that's that's where this this whole, you know, thing becomes a bit unstuck and why so many women. And, and do you know what? It isn't just women. It's men as well. It's just that men are at the point in their journey where they're not talking about it as much as we talk, we're talking about it. So this is, sorry to again interrupt, this brings me on to a question that I was, I was going to ask a bit later on. But do you foresee a, again, around those three pillars, sleep, confidence mm. and network, do you foresee a time where 
actually Clementine isn't an app for women, it's an app yeah. for people. And do you yes. do you foresee society having exactly the same conversations that women are having with each other now, but actually soon it will be a it will be a human problem. It will be across yeah. genders. I really, really hope so, you know. <laughs> I mean, if we, if we talk about that in two parts, so in answer to your question about Clementine, definitely. People have asked me this from the get-go. It's like, why do you only support women? <laughs> the, the fact is we don't just support women. Why we're, do you hate not, men so much? <laughs> yeah, we that... don't, I love men. I love my husband. I love, I've got two boys. Yeah. We're not excluding men. We don't do that. 10% of the people who use the app are men. Mm. However, we've designed it with women in mind. So, um, and that's not a bad thing either. You know, it's marketing 101, right? Um, have yeah. a target audience in mind and make sure that it works for them first. Yeah. Um, but as we go on, and even now, um, when we're developing all of our new sessions, we're making sure that the language would never be off-putting to a man. So there's yeah. a session we have at the moment that actually is because it talks about mums. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, that's not right because my husband co-parents with me mm. and he couldn't listen to that session because he'd just be turned off. That's yeah. not right. So I do think, yeah, I think um, we definitely, not I think we will, it will definitely be there. Um, and to the other part of your question around society and being a, this being a human, confidence is not a women's only problem. It's Absolutely. Just that it's, it's an everybody problem. But I do think that because of, um, you know, the journey that we're on as women right now, we need a lot more help. We do, because mm. we didn't have the privilege of a lot of the things that men have had for a long time. Um, so we're just at different stages. I'd agree. But we have that. to bring men into the mix of this, you know. Um, the third pillar of Clementine, as I've defined it, and tell me if I'm wildly off brief, wildly off where your investor deck was, you know, um, but but was <laughs> was around network and community. Yeah. It's some things in... Um, my day job is running a marketing and a content business and and lots of the work that we do is targeting in quote marks mums lots and lots of the marketing techniques about mobilizing mums is around peer-to-peer -peer recommendation lots of this seems to be i mean it's not gender specific but it's certainly gender prioritized this peer-to-peer -peer element is so important yeah. in in the makeup of women yeah. You've obviously jumped on that to a sense with with making sure Clementine works for the audience, yeah. works for the 55,000. Do you want to bring that to life for us? I mean, the importance of community, the importance of a network. Yeah. The community for me is like sleep. Community is everything. It is one of my personal values. It's one of the business's values um, because, you know, People want connection. It's about connection. And I think even more so in this world where we're, like I described before, we're all on autopilot. We crave connection and, and therefore I think it's up to brands to provide that sort of connection. Um, I also, so for me, because we have very limited marketing budget, um, I needed to create this in a way that it, I wasn't, in a way, I wasn't thinking, oh, I want women to share this. I just thought, if it's really good, women will share it. Yeah. Because that's just what happens, right? You know, you're out to dinner and you're talking about all the things that you're doing. You go, oh, I've been trying this. And then it sort of just grows like that. Um, but it's become even more important to me to be a lot more considered about that and how we design things. And even how, as a business, I operate. 
so like I, I mentioned before, but I created this um, collective, you know, of women and men who are helping to, they're a community in themselves that help elevate the business, help elevate my thinking, and then pass on their knowledge to my community. Um, and then even within the, the Clementine community, the women who are using it, I've trying, I'm trying to now, um, even though it started with me, it, it, it isn't really about me. Mm. Um, I need to step back from it and allow more of the stories to happen within the community of other people. And then that it'll just naturally grow even more like that. Does, am I making sense? You are making sense. Are the Clementine community able to talk within the app and around the app? Or is it purely across your other social and digital destinations? Or? Yeah, no, at the moment, not in the app. Um, and we're not in our next iteration. Again, it won't be in the app um, because there is a little bit of... Um, some people don't. Some people want to remain completely anonymous because yeah. they're not there in their journey yet of being able to talk about how they're feeling. Some people are, and I think from a product development perspective, it's best. Sometimes it's better to do this in the communities where they're already at. Yes. So um, for me, um, at the moment, it's, I would say the best um, uh, community we have community feel where there's chat is Instagram. So I'm really proud of what I've curated there, which is a very real conversation that happens every day with stuff that's going on with me, with the business, etc. And I just and it's very like I will share the really bad stuff as well as the good stuff. Okay. And then it gives women the opportunity to go, oh my God, yes, like I'm feeling like that too. And I wish other people would say it. And then what they do is then they post it onto their stories. Mm. And then you get this flow on effect of more people coming in and then more people downloading the app. And um, I, I personally think be where they are, be where they're talking and not always try to force a conversation somewhere else just because you want to own that. I'd agree with that, you. Yeah, does definitely. that make sense? No, it completely does. Yeah, you don't. You don't always have to host the house party. No. You should probably go and socialise with the other people yeah. already are. Yeah, definitely. Exactly, and think, events and stuff like that. Mm. Um, just breaking down kind of, if you like, your business journey, I want to ask mm. a few questions around almost how strange is it working for yourself? How strange will it be taking on your first employees? You've, you've Looking at your career, You've you've seemingly only worked in fairly big teams, albeit Blink yeah. Box. You were there at the very start. Has yeah. that been a refreshing change? Has that scared you? What what's that been? Oh like? my god, I have found it so refreshing. I mm. I realise now that this is what I've wanted for forever. Um, I am a major control freak, <laughs> <laughs> and I have no issue leading things. I love leading. I love starting from blank sheet of paper. Uh, I love creating. So for me, it's felt like the absolute right next step. I was starting to get a bit stifled with having to always uh, work to someone else's brief or, or you know, take it up a, a chain of command or whatever. But that wasn't working for me anymore. Um, so it feels it feels good. There's a flip side to that, which is it's really overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Being completely frank, and I feel manic. And I feel a real sense of responsibility, which can sometimes be a bit heavy. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it really makes sense. Um, well, yeah, I'm why... just thinking about it now. It's making me feel heavy. <laughs> 
let me you've just raised investment if you don't mind me asking how how was that process i mean it strikes me kim that you love going on a journey and that maybe the investment deck the slides on the purpose and the positioning of the product came naturally to you but maybe the five-year business plan at the back didn't or is that is that an unfair assumption no it's a very bang-on assumption (laughs) so um first things first i i haven't signed my terms yet but i'm manifesting the good stuff so i'm happy to say uh, it's going to happen it's going to happen (laughs) i'm not worried about it um but it's I could write a book about just raising funds, to be honest. Sure. Um, the for me, because we only I only started, I made the decision in September to quit my job and go at this full time and fundraise. That became my number one objective. Yeah. And so, in that, I took on an advisor because I knew it was the best thing I ever did. I I knew that I didn't understand that world. I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand the people. You know, I didn't know who the people were. It was like opening up, literally opening up two black doors and going, well, first of all, I didn't even have the key to open the door. Yep. You know, that's how it was. So I thought, let's get someone in to help me. Um, So I I talk about this guy all the time. His name's Melon, and he has been my knight in shining armor. He helped me create my pitch deck. And that was like the worst experience (laughs) because I've been writing pitch decks my whole entire life. Writing your own pitch deck is very difficult and I came at it from a brand perspective and that's sometimes not what investors want to see. Yeah. Absolutely. So he really had to help me, you know, work out the commercial model, you know, and the size of the market. Like how do they want me to talk about all that stuff, which I found really uncomfortable. Um yeah. that we got there. And then the going to the meetings and all that stuff, I I mean I had so many panic attacks going through that process. Because it's all about confidence. Yeah, it you is. You know, rocking up to a meeting and telling someone your story. And also, my story is sometimes quite triggering. Yeah, I bet. Because you know, I'm having to go deep and with someone yeah. you've never met. Yeah. And just be a bit sort of vulnerable. And I, so I found that really difficult. And whereas Melon will say, say, oh, my God, this has been the easiest process ever. Because we were open. A, a lot of the people we spoke to were really, um, you know, really taken with the story. And the purpose and the traction that we had managed to create with very little money and doing it off the side of my desk, essentially. Sure. Funnily enough, Um, Kim, what you've done is, just in talking to you now, is um, you've you've triggered a, a thought in my mind, which is where we should get every single person that's guested on this series of podcasts and and have them all meet each other because yeah. funnily enough um i spoke to nick uh Telson a couple of weeks ago who is who recently um sold and has just left design my night so he built oh, wow. that business up from the beginning and yeah. f- funnily enough one of my questions for you was going to be he extols the virtues of a business partner a trusted confidant in every part of his business life yeah. um Forgive me asking a question that may make you panic or may make you feel, where's yours? Where do you turn to? Is it your other half? Is it, do you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or, or Oh, I do know. I know exactly where you mean. And and it's a boring answer because it is my other half. Yeah. Um, but we've been on a journey ourselves and me even saying that, uh, you know, if you asked me that six months ago, I never would have said that. Yeah. So he, uh, my husband is a teacher, a music teacher, very creative, 
never worked in business. So because of that, I used to disregard his feedback. But now I've made some big decisions in the past couple of years that were very wrong. And he knew and told me every single time I made one of those decisions, mm. you know, I think about it, da 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 da. And so I had the light bulb moment. It, you know, I had to go through that that hard process to realize that what he is is he knows my blind spots right better than anyone, like no one. And so actually, I took him to my when uh, the investor. Uh, we had our second big meeting. I said to him, look, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I need you to meet my husband because he can see right through the BS. <laughs> and he said, no, I agree. You should bring him along. And it was the best thing I ever did. And from that moment on, I was like, I'm right. I'm, I, any decision I now make, I talk to him about it. Oh, Kim, that's an no. amazing story and an amazing learning. Finding somebody that recognizes your blind spots is, again, certainly another takeaway I'm going to take from this chat. Kim, I normally ask questions around competitors. I, I want to ask twofold on this. One, have you experienced the other meditation apps, the other apps that are out there? And yeah. also, I want to ask a slightly glib question, but it does have a serious undertone. And that is, is it hypnotherapy and nothing else? Is it hypnotherapy and no meditation is it do you see what i mean what's what's the values that hypnotherapy brings to the table perhaps yeah. over and above anything else so so let's start off with the competitor apps perhaps yeah no i'm fully aware of who my competitors <laughs> are I'm, I'm you know i've got a unicorn calm in my category got headspace almost a unicorn yeah both co collectively they've had 88 million dollars worth of investment mm. So, you know, they're, they're big players. I also know all the other apps. There's, there's hundreds of them. Yeah. But I'm one of the things that I'm really good at doing is constantly, like, trying these apps and learning and what works and what doesn't work. But then also going, but it's okay that we do our thing differently. Yeah. Hypnotherapy is very, very different than meditation. Um, this is really important. And it's our USP, apart from all the other great stuff, because we're coming community up, and I don't think those companies do. Um and that is that in a world where we're living and everybody's hyper-connected, you know, autopilot, not thinking, just doing, 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 stress to the max, all that stuff, brains won't shut down. Meditation is incredibly difficult for a lot of people to access. Lots of people love it and great. I wanted to love it. It just didn't work for me. And in fact, it did the opposite because I, a lot of uh, women hold a very strong perfectionist trait. When you go to do something that you can't do, your immediate uh, thing is to make yourself feel bad about yourself. So you say, oh, God, I'm so hopeless. I should be able to do this. Well, no one should have to feel like they should have to do something that's meant to help you. Yeah. So it's not that accessible for people who have very, very wired brains, um, which happens to be a lot of us. Uh, you have to really train at it. Whereas hypnotherapy is different. It's not trying to get you to think in a conscious, you know, uh, uh, mindful way. In fact, it's the opposite. You almost sink into it. You know, you can relax. And it's that moment where you're sort of, you know, when you're on the beach sometimes in your, or even in your bed and you're about to fall asleep. Yeah. You it's that it, we're getting into the subconscious, really. So for me, it's, it's a double whammy of goodness because the power is in the language. Uh, where we're talking to you to reframe negative thoughts into positive ones. 
but also the powers and the fact that it's not trying to get you to be conscious and in it it's like you can relax you could even fall asleep and 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 it will still work for you and I, in a way part of my job is to reframe and unfortunately do a job a, a communication job for hypnotherapy yeah starting with a communication <laughs> job with hypnotherapy before yeah. you lead to how you and how clementine really. harnesses that i suppose yeah exactly we did it in America. We had a big piece in the Wall Street Journal, which basically talked about the differences. So that was helpful. But as it's an ongoing thing, we'll just have to work on. One last question in this um, in this section, talking about Clementine and talking about your work, Kim, is I, I just want to know what success looks like and what's driven success. So you just mentioned a piece in the Wall Street Journal. Have you found that PR has been your most effective channeled and tactic have you found yeah. i know you mentioned instagram earlier and also yeah. do you look at number of downloads at the end of a week and think well that's a, a, a week well done or do you look at stories of of women that you've helped or is it a combination so um i'm just trying to think i just forgot what the first thing you said so the first around. thing was around oh, yeah, the channels. what um, yeah what works really well <laughs> yeah what works really well definitely pr um, so all of our spikes and downloads have come from, so we were on the front cover of The Guardian, one of the seven apps every woman should own. Um, when Apple promoted us as app of the day they, uh, here in the UK, um, you know, being in Forbes, being in the Telegraph, Stylus, Grazia, all those things have dri- driven a lot of traffic for us. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so less Instagram for me is not about downloads; it's about community building. Sure. Um, going forward, we will we will focus on PR and partnerships actually, um, versus you know Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, all that stuff. It will be about finding those like-minded brands. Yeah. And creating some interesting collaborations so that we can benefit from their reach and scale. And they can benefit from our amazing content and value that we bring to society. They, you know, they'll get that. Um, what do I define as success? Yeah, there's, there's, there's two parts to this. For me, it's about does this work and are women telling us that it works? And the number one thing I look at is the App Store reviews. Um, because that's the only way that we're capturing that right now. So the fact that we have almost 600 app reviews and we have a 4.7 out of 5 star rating is pretty incredible for 4.8 currently kim just so oh, you 4. know 8, yeah sorry <laughs> and that's in the uk if you look at all the markets oh fine 4. there we 4. go 7. um and so i you know that's what drives me it's the thing that i look at and i get my energy from and even if it's a bad thing it's like i get my energy from that because i think god okay we, we need to keep doing better uh, but going forward with investment, that won't be enough. <laughs> hmm. We we have to grow because we want not because we have to because we want to impact and support more women. So it will absolutely be downloads, but then it will be around engagement. So are women actually using this, and is yeah. it helping? Again, is it helping them? Um, it'll be those three things. And have you got a sense of how old your audience is? I mean, does it skew older? Is it across the board? How how broad is it? Yeah, if you th- if we think about it in bands, um, the twenty five to thirty five is our biggest, and then it's the forty five to fifty five, 
and then it goes down there's a smaller group in the below 25 to whatever that is um and it's like 60% based here in the UK 40% based in America okay um, and are there plans to roll it out across different territories and different languages, or is that much further down the line? Yeah, I think that's much further. We're already in all English-speaking countries. I think you know, you know, I think we have to nail it here and focus all of our marketing and partnerships and PR on the UK. Um, but in my heart of hearts, I think actually this the next place is America. But you can't. I don't think you can build a product like this from afar. And, and expect it to work from afar. I think because it's all about being uh, topical and part of the conversation. So I think if we were to really go big in America, we would have to go there, be there for a bit, and really understand how the women are, you know, taking taking this on. But they have the women there are much more open <laughs> to therapy and personal development. They're, they don't have that skepticism I think that exists here. So I'm still here with Kim, Kim Palmer, who's the founder of Clementine. Um, having got to know Kim and having gone through Clementine and, and the way that Kim works, it now comes to the part of the conversation around Kim's rocket fuel. So insights, thinking, some top tips on how to engage younger audiences and, and inspire action in them. Kim, you've already mentioned that across your user base, it's 25 to 34s that make up the biggest of your audience. I suppose first question is always the same in this part of the interview. What do we know about younger audiences? And in your case, if that is the, 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 the 25 to 34s, bring that to life. How do they differ? What is it about that life stage? Or are there other insights across younger audiences? Do you know what? I think for me and my, I'm just thinking about this, my category, mm. which is all about helping women with their well, mental well-being and acknowledging, you know, their fears, what they're worried about, all that stuff. Interestingly, those fears are the same across all the years, right? That sometimes they become more extreme, sometimes less so. So, um, as an example, um, I was talking to one of the ladies in my Clementine Collective who's a, who's a lot younger than me. She's early 20s. And she was talking about, um, you know, this coming to London, you know, being in first job and, and almost like being transported back to school. You know, all those fears about, oh, but what if no one likes me? Yeah. And, um, oh, but, you know, I'm worried about talking up and speaking up at work and all this. They're the same things that everybody has. I then spoke to a lady who was incredibly senior, but incredibly senior at a very big global organization. We had an hour chat and I was staggered by um, the fears she was telling me about in her new job. You know, bearing in mind she's on C-suite. Yeah. Um, and they were exactly the same <laughs> as this young girl. And I thought, oh, my God. This is so fascinating. Yeah. What's what's different though with younger people is the way that I even hate talking about younger people. Um, it like treat them like they're different because they're not. Mm. Um, it's the way that we engage with them and the channels that we engage with them, and um, you know the shortness, the snappiness of it all, and and being everybody. I hate that word. I really hate it. Authenticity. Yeah. Uh, I it's just about being real. Mm. Um, and uh, 
especially in my business, like allowing ourselves to be completely transparent and vulnerable. They seem to really, I think they're a lot more purpose driven. Um, and therefore, you know, they, they just love all of that stuff. Do you see, whether it be across your Clementine Collective of 10 or across your community of 80,000, do you see different age groups focusing on different things? Do you see, or, or is it, does it go back to no. your first point about everybody's no. going through the same stuff, it's just how it's handled and how it's discussed? Yeah. honestly, it's the same. Like, I'll give you another example. So last year, we introduced a whole new bundle of sessions around body image. We did this big survey. We had, um, I think we had about 800 women um, take part in the survey to tell us how they were feeling about their bodies. Um, and and these women wrote novels. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ask them to write novels, but they just wanted to. Yeah. And, and again, like someone who's just going through menopause um, and is really connected to their body and is worried about how they look. It's the same thing as, as someone who's a teenager, um, you know, worried about having sex and how they look when they're having sex. Same as like, uh, like, like me, you know, after I'd had children, the worrying about turning the light on, all, all this stuff, or worrying about being too white, or you know the color of your skin. All these are all the same things, regardless of age. Yeah, it's just that. What I do notice is that actually the much older people are less open about talking about it. Are they? Yeah. Um, so they. That's why I've got to be careful about how we design things. Um, possibly that's because of their journey. Like they probably grew up in a world where you sort of had to just get on with it. Yeah. You know, that like stoic, like, what do you call it? Um, very staunch, you know. Oh, yeah, stoic, I, mean, I think. is. Yeah, the, yeah. stoic, that's mm. the word. Whereas I think now younger people, it, it's more in their DNA to go, oh, yes, let's talk about this. And yes, I do feel like that. So um, the fears are the same, the worries are the same, but the way they handle them are different. When talking to women, when talking to young women, which brands and which organizations get it right and which brands oh, and organizations get it wrong? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this woman. She's incredible. Her name's Grace Beverly. Um, I think she's 21. She's uh, a business owner. She was uh, one young entrepreneur of the year last year. She has three successful businesses. One of her brands is called Tala. And it's a sustainable uh, fitness fashion brand, really. Yeah. And you, she's doing everything about that business is going left of the fashion industry. Um, she's really taken on board, you know, sustainability in fashion. She's using a diverse range of models. The price point is really low. Like the margins on this aren't great, but she doesn't care because she's trying to create a brand. Yeah. Um, and she, she talks with such, um, just like, it's really fresh that she's just so open. It's like, this is how it is. We don't care what everyone else is doing, you know, screw them. Um, we're a purpose-led brand. She's brilliant. She's got 2 million followers and there's a reason why she has 2 million followers. Sure. Okay. And is there anybody that doesn't get it right? Is that there a, or there oh. is there a subsection or even a way? Is it is it every other brand? Is it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what? Um, so 
I don't like to out brands, uh, but I could. I don't think there are many brands that are guessing it right, if I'm being completely honest. You know, if you think about all the categories, all the big players are guessing it wrong. Really? Think about fit. I do. I do. Because I'll tell you why. It's because a lot of them, um, they talk about things in their advertising and they're trying to talk up, you know, diversity and sustainability and what have you. But what they don't understand is that those uh, philosophies have to be in the whole design of your product, your business, who you recruit. It's it's everything, and I think they operated at, at all of these all of them at a very top line cosmetic in a cosmetic way because yeah. they want to show the world that they're doing good, but they're not. Final question. Um, is just if you had one takeaway from our conversation for our audience listening, I don't know if any anybody does because I ask the same question every <laughs> week. I don't know if anybody does fast forward right the way through to the very last question, but if there were one takeaway for our audience of media, marketing, creative people, people at kind of the intersection of tech, media, marketing, yeah. if there was one takeaway for them to take away from our conversation, what would you suggest that were? Yeah, and it, it, this is something that I've done my whole career, and, and and but now that I'm running my business, do more of this, and that is just to stay like in touch with culture and with customers, and I mean that in its broader sense. I mean, you know, reading different books. Don't read, don't read business books. Don't read advertising books. Don't read marketing. Read other stuff. Listen to different podcasts you know go and see a show you know go to something that you wouldn't normally go to like immerse yourself in culture yeah um and surround yourself like the community surround yourself and it's really hard to do this by the way because we're all busy with different people because diversity of thought is everything diversity of thought is everything is a great point for um, us to conclude this conversation kim that's been a really fascinating chat um kim if you did want people to get in touch with you and if you do then feel free to point them towards your own personal social media or if you'd rather just point them towards clementines where can they find you and where can they find clementine yeah um very simple it's clementineapp.co.uk and then it's the same for instagram clementineapp.uk and then uh linkedin is just kim palmer i love linkedin so like contact me on linkedin in fact that's how we that is indeed how we met yes yeah um so yeah i one of those would be great i'm always happy to chat to people and help brilliant kim thank you so much for your time thanks so much for being the guest on this week's rocket fuel Thank you. Feel privileged for you to ask me. I told you it would be a good one. Um, Kim is one of those people, it's a bit of a trite phrase this, but she's had a very good corona, if you see what I'm saying. She released a really cool hypnotherapy session via the uh, Clementine app, which was about spending a hypnotherapy session on the loo. Um, I know. Um, do search her out do track her down I hope you enjoyed that we've got a good one next week Um, do tune in and thanks for uh, listening to Rocket Fuel this is a Rocket Audio production 